What is good, everybody, man? Welcome into the Blue Bloods here, FCS Football Central as well. The coach's corner, my guy coach, is not here yet. Caught up in a meeting, but listen, man, he's going to jump in in just a few. So we might circle around to some of the topics that we talked about at the beginning of the show that he just wasn't here for, man. I know he has a, a lot of his own thoughts on this, especially being an active coach in the space, being a Florida guy. So kind of close to home with the whole Willie Simmons news, man. But um, so what we decided to do this week, bring you guys to back-to-back -back live shows this week so going live tonight to catch up on all the storylines we took a little break for the holidays willie simmons leaving famu breaks texas southern and fred mcnair continue to have a very interesting um uh, process let's call it that and then of course all corn state promoting cedric thomas as the next head coach and we haven't had a coach's corner since all this stuff has happened so we wanted to hop on and do like a strictly hbcu storyline episode and then tomorrow night coming back live an official preview of the fcs national championship south dakota state versus montana i'm headed down thursday or headed over to frisco for the weekend man gonna hit up the press conferences award ceremony all that good stuff i got coach fred getting over there on Friday night and we're going to be on some shows on Saturday, some live shows across the FCS. We're, I'll be doing a, um, a feature with incidentblade.com on Saturday afternoon with Stan Becton previewing the FCS national championship. And, um, then Sunday, we'll all be at the game. I got Timothy, as if you guys have read the site, Timothy Rosario has done a hell of a job as a contributor for the site. He'll be up in the press box, running social media, doing all that good stuff uh, for the Blue Bloods and FCS Football Central. So we're going to have the full team in Frisco. And if you're listening and you're in Frisco or around Dallas and want to catch up, man, hit us up. Come say what's up. And I'm really looking forward to it. It'll be the first time we've had a full team go and cover a game together and so I, I can't wait for that man but first off hope you guys had a great holidays a great new year first live stream of 2024 man i listen i was sick as a dog over the holidays so um just now kind of getting back to 100 percent, but it's good to be back um let's start here man i, I know this is probably going to dominate the show but Florida A&M head coach Willie Simmons officially resigns and, and takes the running backs coach job at Duke under head coach Manny Diaz. Now, I mean, there's been plenty of discourse, plenty of shows already about the ramifications of this move and what's happening. So to kind of give you a backstory, because I haven't really been live, been tweeting too much. There was a coach that reached out and shout out to my guy Scotty for all script for breaking the news. And I texted Scotty about it. There was a coach about three or four days before the news broke on all script where a coach just reached out to me and my guy coach Fred and said, watch out for Willie Simmons possibly leaving fam you for an assistant coach position. And I'm going to be 100% transparent with you guys. I just downplayed it. I, I really just was like, man, I'm not breaking that. There's no way that's really the case. Like, you know, what assistant position, you know, I need more info than just watch out for Willie Simmons taking an assistant role somewhere. So I just kind of downplayed it. This was like, I'll keep it on my radar. I reached out to a few of my other connects in the coaching world. And there were some rumors, but nothing too concrete and I mean, there was even some rumors about a possible thing at Virginia Tech, and I've, I've got some weird feedback, so I just kind of held off on it. And then it surfaces that the Duke running back position was 
one that really drew his interest. And it was mainly due to his relationship with Manny Diaz, where they coached together back at Middle Tennessee State. You know, I, I've seen a lot of just confusion about why he would take the job. Is this truly elevation? Um, it just the future of HBCU football coaching. And I I, I talked to a, a, another assistant coach, not Fred, another assistant coach in the SWAC, and he told me, this is before it was official, that he thought Willie had to take this opportunity. And I'm going to explain why. He told me that Willie turned down a position a few seasons ago to be an assistant coach at the FBS level. And in his mind, if Willie turned down a second opportunity at that level, especially one with a guy who has a great relationship with Manny Diaz, the question that this assistant coach had is, would he get another opportunity to make the jump to FBS? Or if he turns down two opportunities, does he ever get another one? And I thought that was very interesting because we talk about opportunities for FCS, but especially HBCU coaches making that move to FBS and especially making the move as an assistant or a head coach. And I thought it was telling that in his opinion, being an assistant head, uh, being an assistant coach himself in the SWAC, that there's like this narrative around assistant coaches in the SWAC that it's almost like there's like a glass ceiling where once you're here, you're kind of stuck there. And I, I thought it was very interesting that he said that. Let me get my guy on. My guy, Coach Fred, is in here. Coach, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. How you doing? Sorry for the late entrance, brother. Hey, you're good, man. You jumped in at the perfect time. We were getting into this Willie Simmons news. First, before I get into the topic I was talking about, Coach, your first reaction to Willie Simmons headed to Duke as the running backs coach? Um. Man, first reaction a couple of weeks ago when we uh, when we first kind of heard this, I, I was about 50-50, but the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. Um, you know, the relationship that I've, you know, built with him over the years, it, it made sense. Um, I just didn't know if it would be Duke. I was thinking somewhere else. I think, man, you kind of talked about it uh, during that time as well, so uh, a little surprised at the timing, but uh, understandable. Your coach, I talked to, and me and you have kind of talked off camera about this. I talked to another assistant in the SWAC about this, and he said that, in his opinion, Willie had to take this opportunity because he turned down one about two years ago, reportedly. And he said, man, coming from the SWAC, if you turn down two opportunities, especially one tied to a good friend of Manny Diaz, would another offer ever come? Is that a reality in your opinion in this in this coaching space? Yes, I think that's for for anybody uh, coming from any conference. Uh, I think once the word gets out that you're not going to leave, then people are going to stop asking you to uh, leave, if that makes sense. So, you know, he could have been from the CAA and had he turned down three job opportunities, the fourth one wouldn't have come. Uh, so, you know, I think that's pretty much relevant with with anything when you do. Uh, had you asked me to do this three times and I said no, would you have asked me a fourth time to do it? 
That I mean, that's that's so, fair. Oh, um, yeah, I think it was. I, I think it was one of those situations where, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and you know the the exact pay increase. I'm not sure. I think it's a reported like a hundred k increase, somewhere around five hundred k total. But I've heard that could be a little bit higher than is being reported based on some auxiliary positions and incentives that he might have in his contract. But I want to see the official contract before I make any assertions on that. You know, Coach, I don't know if you saw this. Willie Simmons actually did an interview with HBCU Game Day after his decision. And his exact quote, shout out to Stephen Gaither from HBCU Game Day, said, looking at my career and where I want to ultimately be in my career to have the type of platform on the national stage to lean young men and throughout college football, not just HBCU landscape, I think this was a pivotal step for me to take, and that's why we're taking it. And he kind of went into Willie Jeffries back in 1979, Jay Hobson at Alcorn, which we all know, um, like he said in his interview, does not look like him or some of the other coaches in the HBCU space. And then he said there was Dion, who it's really just one Dion Prime Sanders in his interview. He said that this was the step he had to take to ultimately be where he wanted to be. And coach, I, I think an interesting part of this interview is he said he's done everything. He's won a conference championship. He's won a HBCU national championship. He's been to the playoffs. His team's won all these awards. He said, I've done everything I can do at this level. My resume, the only thing that I can do that will further my resume is coach at the Power 5 level, and that's why he took this job. Your thoughts on that? You know, to each his own, um, but I think that's always been his, his ultimate goal was to be there and to prove that he belonged there. Um, so, you know, this is the perfect opportunity for him to do it. When you're talking about, uh, you know, you've done all you can do, I mean, he's checked a lot of boxes. Uh, he really has. Uh, we won the uh, 2014 HBCU National Championship and the SWAG Championship. Uh, they're at Alcorn with Jay Hobson. So, you know, he's had one of those before. He has another one. Um, so, yeah, I... I get exactly what he's saying in that, in that sense for him, uh, the opportunity to, to get to that level and he had to take it is basically what he was saying. And, um, is how I took it and, you know, wish him nothing but the best. That that's a fact. I do want to say, I I understand the emotion from fans and it happens at every level. Anytime a coach leaves, the fan base is going to be upset to a point. You don't ever want to lose. Like, listen, you just lost a coach, coach that was what twenty-two and two in the swag. I, I get the emotion of not wanting to lose him, but I keep seeing this argument of when are these coaches going to take the sacrifice to stay? When are these guys like? Why does it have to be a step up? Why do? Why does this job have to be a stepping stone? I do want to put in perspective, and I want to get your opinion, coach. There are probably only about what. 10 jobs in the country that aren't stepping stones at the head coach level. I mean, I look at Alabama, Michigan, Ohio state, Georgia, Florida state, USC, Texas. And maybe that's where it, that's where the line is drawn in terms of non stepping stone jobs. I mean, there has to we I think we'd have to center this conversation is everyone's a stepping stone unless you are the top of the top and there's only about 
eight to 10 jobs that a coach has never left for another job at a higher level. LSU too. I'll throw LSU in there. Someone in the chat put that. We might have lost coach here. Hey, B, can you hear me? Coach, you, we got you now. We got you now. You're breaking up a little bit. Oh, we lost him. Um, but yeah, we'll get coach's response to that. But I keep seeing that narrative that, um, you know, listen, I'll be honest. There's not a job in the FCS that's not a stepping stone. There's not a job in the group of five that's not a stepping stone. And there's a lot of lower level power five programs that are also stepping stones to a point. Um, so I, I really do want to say that we have to kind of center that narrative and I understand why people want to talk about it, but I like th this, this thing of, you know, how do we make, you know, the fam, you job, the Jackson job or something, not a stepping stone. I mean, we have to also put in perspective at the FCS level, and this is exactly where I was going. A coach that won two national championships at the FCS level and was, I mean, I don't remember what his win percentage was, but is the linebackers coach at USC right now. I, I mean, that, that right there should have been a wake-up call to every FCS program in the country that, man, if... If if so, if a good position comes knocking, I don't know what we can do. And so I and no man, I don't listen. I I'm not one. I don't think anyone w was overly emotional. I saw some. There's just I think there's been so many coaching changes recently that I I just, I just think people are are kind of worried right now with all the changes. I mean, someone posted a graphic. It was like I want to say it was the swag media day logo from like 2021 and there were so many coaches that just aren't here anymore and so i just think it's a little bit of a panic with that like how if it and it's a panic not just for the swag for the whole fcs if we have a coach that's winning how do how do we keep the best coaches in our circle and i think that's a that's a tough conversation to have and, and that's right mr campbell Belima left Wisconsin for Arkansas, Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma to USC. I mean, everyone's got to understand the decision Willie made. Now, shifting to the conversation, though, of who's going to replace Willie. I've seen a lot of interesting conversations about this. I do want to start off. I did. I saw the HBCU sp sports article and some people talking about Fred McNair. Is Fred McNair a good coach? Yes. I personally cannot see Fred McNair being the head coach at Florida A&M. Maybe I'm wrong, and maybe I'll be proven wrong if they go that direction. Just me personally, I think coaches' personalities have to somewhat match up to the culture around the program, the, person, the, the brand of the program. I don't think Fred McNair is that guy. And I, I, I don't think FAMU is going to look in his direction. I don't even think there would be a mutual interest in that move. Um, for, for me, I think I heard, was it Quinn Gray? That would be an interesting option. I will say my one concern about Quinn Gray is 
He only has one year of head coaching experience at Albany State. And I, I get it was his first year, and this is no shot at Quinn or his program. They weren't overly impressive, in my opinion. Uh, maybe I jumped the gun with that, and we'll see what he looked. If he doesn't take the FAMU job, we'll see what he, it's the Albany State team looks like this year. But I wasn't overly impressed with him. I get that his connection with the university and and all that kind of stuff, but I just was not super impressed with his program this year. And look at KJ Black's another popular name. Based on the people I've talked to, that would that would excite the fan base. I just don't know how that's going to work. Because I think for fam, you, you have to make a hire quickly. And the problem with a KJ Black or someone who's currently coaching the NFL, if they're in the playoffs, they're not probably they're probably not going to one accept the job before the early signing or when their playoff run ends. You need someone who could come in now. KJ Black and the Rams are going to be in the playoffs. Some of these other people are going to be in the playoffs um, and, and won't be able to take the job as quickly. So I just, I don't know how realistic that is. I would like to see him at least get an interview, but we'll see if they make that move. Another name that I've heard surface is Mike Minter. I'll, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I have no sources confirming that. I've talked to my connects at Campbell. Mike Minter has been tight-lipped about his next move. I have no idea where Mike Minter's going. The coaches on his former staff don't know where he's going. He has been radio silence with his next move. I don't see Minter going to Florida A&M. In my personal opinion, if you don't see Minter pop up or hear his name rumored with any college football openings, when when was it Black Monday comes around in the NFL, I think Minter's going to pick up an analyst role or position role somewhere in the NFL, and I think he's going to take his talents back to the NFL or maybe even just take a year year off. I don't see Minter being the guy for Florida A&M as well, so I, I just wanted to address that. A name that I, Another name that I've been hearing is Billy Roll who is current was on the staff, the special assistant to the head coach, Coach Nickelbacks. You know, at first I was going to say no, and then I saw how hard the players were pushing for him, and it kind of made me take a second look at how, how I felt about him because at first I didn't think he was going to be the splash hire they needed. But maybe if they bring him in, he can keep that team together. Let me get back here to Coach. Coach, you back? I think so. You got me? Yeah, got you loud and clear, man. We're talking about potential options to replace Willie now. Coach, there's been a big push on social media from the players to promote Billy Roll to head coach. Uh, special assistant to the head coach, Nichols back coach down there at FAMU. Your thoughts on that potential move? Hey, Big, can you hear me? Yeah, you got me? No. Okay. You got it. All right, can you hear me? Yeah, it's kind of like a little echo, but I'm good. Okay, cool. Okay, so how do you feel about Billy Roll potentially be the guy at FAM? That's that's who the players and everyone on social media has been pushing for is Billy Roll. If I think I'm hearing you correctly from when we broke to now, uh, when folks are talking about it being a stepping stone or, you know, being able to, I guess, keep those, keep the coaches there, 
um, and then you kind of went down your list of uh, schools. Uh, I think it's all it's all relevant to how you see it. Um, you know, like you said, a, a person at Troy might use or say that Troy was a stepping stone to get the job at, say, Tulane. Um, you know, it's all relevant, all relevant to how you how you look at it, how you view it. I think it's a, I think it's a good thing, um, because I think it highlights the person that you hired. I think it highlights living and going to. Um, I don't know if I like the term stepping stone, but you know, each each person views it and sees it different. But I don't know how, you know, promotion within any business is good, I would think. Yeah, no, I I, I, I know the term is, is might be bad. Um, like, stepping stone is kind of a tough word. I know no one likes that to be associated with their school. Um, but, but, Coach, man, I, I, when you look at the potential candidates – I mean, have you heard any names potentially? And how do you feel about Billy Roll potentially being the next head coach at FAMU? I think we lost Coach again. Coach is going to join when he gets back home. I just shot him a text. Um, but, you know, Billy, like I saw the chat, you know, Billy Roll could open up recruiting potentially and, um, Everything. Listen, and I, I saw this tweet. Coach Gary Harrell, and who was the other guy he recommended? There was another guy on uh, on uh, 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 Colorado staff. Neither of those guys. That's that's not happening. I, I know. What was it? Coach Reed from two four seven tweeted that out. Listen, that it's it's not happening. I, I don't I don't see yeah coach Hart was the other suggestion that's not happening I think Billy Roll would be an interesting hire um, KJ Blackwood as well and then also I don't know how FAMU fans would feel about it but there's been a name that's kind of been circulating around other head coaching opportunities and I think he's a guy that in my opinion, once we talk about the Texas Southern job, this might make a little bit more sense. I think he's being kept on the back burner as like a safety option, even though we shouldn't be. If KJ Black falls through, if you don't want to bring Billy Roll into the position, would it be a? I, I want to know how FAMU fans would feel about it. What about Tremaine Jackson at Valdosta State? There was a whole conversation when Texas Southern had an opening and some of these other places that Tremaine Jackson has done everything he needed to do to get a head coaching job at the FCS level at, at the right above D2. He's led a winning program at Valdosta. He can recruit South Georgia, that, 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 that Florida area. I, I'd be interested if that would be a potential fallback option for FAMU or not. But I, I do think, from based on what I'm hearing, Billy Roll is probably the name that's gaining the most traction right now. And I know some people are assuming that that's going to be the move. And I, I'll be interested to see, because I talked to a coach that said, with this happening so late, because Willie had to stay 
past December 31st to get all those bonuses. But with National Signing Day coming up, with, with the speed that this hire has to be made, Roll would be a quick option. And if he doesn't succeed year one, if I'm FAMU, I give him a short-term contract. If if a short-term contract, and if I'm not impressed after year one, we let him go after next year, and we do a full coaching search ahead of ahead of the curve, because it's January second. You're gonna have to get a move on. Rolls a safe hire. Your fam your fan base will be happy with that hire. And you can always make a move after next season or year two if it doesn't work out. It's a low-risk, high-reward type of hire, in my opinion. So that that's personally how I feel about that hire, just because I, I'm not 100% sold on it. But I do think it will keep the fan base It'll keep the fan base happy. Let, let's just put it like that. And I, I, I'm not saying hire him in the interim role, but I don't think he he gets a, a huge contract. And you absolutely can, Corey. You absolutely can can hire a coach for one year. And I'm not saying a one year contract. I'm just saying you aren't gonna. I, I don't think he, Billy Roll would get a five year deal. I personally don't, but I, I could be wrong. I don't think he gets a. I don't think he gets like a long term deal. And I, I mean, maybe FAMU fans would be would would feel a, a different way about it, but I just personally don't think that's that, that's a. I I don't I don't think that's a slam dunk hire in my opinion, and that that's just that's just my thoughts on it. But we'll see what FAMU does with that one. But kind of moving on here, shifting over, we're gonna circle back to the FAMU situation when Coach drops in, but Texas Southern Fred McNair, man. Standard three-year deal. Yeah, get him a three-year deal and and move on from that. Um, now, Frank Wilson. Maybe I, Joseph. I don't know what what I don't know what Frank Wilson's salary is at LSU, being the running back coach and recruiting coordinator. Um, if the money makes sense, that could be an option. But a lot of the time, listen, that was the big holdup with uh, Jerry Mack. Running back coach at Tennessee was a highly successful head coach at Central. He's making too much money as an assistant, and I I, I don't think I don't think there's a FCS program that's going to have the money to get him back into a head coaching role. And I I think Quinn Gray would be a close two behind a role right now, Corey. <clears throat> but Texas Southern, <sighs> let's let's recap because it's been a while since we've done a live show. And I was one of the ones that was talking about Frank McNair in the job and everything. So let's go back and shout out to my guy over at Dave Campbell's Texas football, uh, Corey Hogue for putting this together. November 14th was when the first reports came out about them not extending McKinney and play and players were leaking the information and, Granger was denying that McKinney was that any decision has been made on McKinney. Well, then November 20th contract, not renewed was set to expire on the 15th, November 28th, Andre Johnson gets mentioned as a potential candidate by the Houston Chronicle, December 7th, Texas Southern and sources narrowed its search down to Mickey Joseph and Brett Maxey. 
Now, Mickey Joseph, now the head coach of Grambling, obviously not in the running anymore. December 13th, sources start confirming that Texas Southern was set to hire Frank McNair within the next two days. And then December 15th was the, was the special meeting uh, where they wanted to request approval to appoint and negotiate employment contract for football head coach. And nothing happened. December 19th, another special virtual meeting is called uh, to negotiate the contract of the head coach. No decision was reached, and two members uh, preferred Andre Johnson and held out on their votes and held out on their attendance. December 19th is also when Alcorn State announced they were not going to reach uh, them and Fred McNair couldn't reach an agreement. Cedric Thomas promoted the head coach. We'll talk about that when coach gets back as well. December 28th, Board of Regents meet again. Defer on approving a head coach. Granger releases a statement. The hiring of a head football coach is a strategic decision that cannot be taken lightly. I will be taking a few additional days to consider candidates for the coaching vacancy and, and will work closely with the interim president, Dr. Mary uh, Sias, and the board to announce the hiring shortly. <sighs> Man, I don't even know where to go with this. Well, let me get my guy, Coach, back here. Coach. We back. Oh, the signal's crisp now. Definitely, definitely. In the yard. We're back. Not moving. Let's go. All right. Uh, before we get uh, uh, before we circle back to fans, I want to get your final thoughts on that one. We're talking about Texas Southern and Fred McNair. And I know that you have a relationship, so there's only so much you can share. But your opinion on what's going on, given that I mean, you were kind of in the middle of this working under Fred as he negotiated his contract at all corn and decided to leave just your thoughts on the madness that we've seen go on at Texas Southern these past few weeks. Oh man, just the, uh, the vanilla part of what I can give you, I guess is what we'll say. Uh, it's essentially it's two, it, it's one university operating as two separate entities and that's where you have the confusion um one side was working and i don't know if they understood that they had to work in unison with the other side or whatever um but one side was working boom this is what we're doing and i just need you to stamp off and then the other side is like no this is not how that goes you know that kind of thing um, as vanilla and plain as I can put it, uh, we're not just becoming the insider insider, but, uh, you know, again, I think it's one of those situations of where the right hand has got to talk to the left hand, the left hand has got to talk to the right hand. And, um, you know, the, the, the problem that I have with it, that I can speak on as just a fan and as a coach is you knew this situation a long time ago after you didn't renew uh, the last guy's contract that this was going to happen. So why didn't we all have this laid out steps one, two, three, four, five together uh, so that everybody was on the same page from the beginning? That's the madness of the whole situation that I just don't understand. And I want to say this, and I'm not targeting anyone in particular. And I've seen a few people say it. This is not the media's fault. No. And I just I just want to make that as clear as day. 
I've seen so many people say it's the media's fault for reporting it before the school. Welcome to college football. Well, just welcome to college athletics. If you think every little move is going to get announced by the school before someone breaks it or leaks it, you might as well just stop watching college football because it's not going to happen. And you can't say we wish our FCS programs would get covered or HBCU programs would get covered like power fives. Because it's worse at the power five. You can't sneeze in an office without that being reported by 247 or on three or someone like that. It's not, though, it's not the media's fault for leaking McNair's name because he was the top candidate. He was telling people he was going to go. That's not the media's fault for reporting that. It is the board's fault for not approving it and not getting on the same page. It's Texas Southern's fault for not getting the stuff together. To put the blame on the media for the whole thing is insane. And that we got to stop that. That's that's just madness to blame the media. When Dr. Granger was going on record saying Fred McNair was the number one candidate. On record. This <laughs> is I couldn't believe it. When I when I saw people saying it was the media's fault, I I, I was like, what are we talking about? It is their fault for not doing what they needed to do in the first place. But coach, I, I you know, you can't say much, but I, I'll tell you what I heard recently. I heard Texas Southern has moved on from Fred McNair. Well, um, I'll throw more madness. Um, you know, not considering myself an insider, uh, but it's supposed to be taken care of this week uh, from the understanding that I have and have gotten um, and as the uh, old show on Martin was called Word on the Street, um, that this is come this this is going to be resolved this week, um, before the weekend. Now, if that happens, I don't know, but that's what an insider inside told me. Um, and then you know to go back to kind of what you just said, the AD was actively talking. Uh, that wasn't you. That wasn't me. Um, that wasn't any of our other media, you know, friends, outlets, or whatever. Uh, that was from somebody that was that 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 is in house. So you know, when you're talking co college athletics, those things are going to always get out because he's going to tell who he wants to tell if he tells anybody. If he doesn't. He hands that paper to his secretary who lays it down on the desk, somebody walks by. Those things happen in real life in athletic offices. Um, and that's how they kind of go, you know, that's how those things get out. Not that they're not true or they're made up. Um, I think I can go on record as saying that me and you heard weeks ago uh, about, you know, the possibility of Coach Simmons. And we were both, well, I was, I was scared to death to say anything about it because it's just like, you know, uh, active coach working in the media that might not look right but you know we we learned about this a long time ago now where I got the information from I can't tell you but that's good journalism uh, I learned that by working in the media uh, but you know those things get out and then I guess it's up to other people to try to put them under for a little while but fast forward boom here we are so 
you know, unless it's just a blatant deal of where I'm leaking right now on the coach's corner that I'm going to be paid $200,000 as an assistant coach uh, with benefits, with a car, you know, something outlandish that you know you can't believe, then that's, you know, okay, cool. But when there's smoke, sometimes there is fire. And uh, let me say this. There was a lot of fire in this Fred McNair deal, not just coming from inside Alcorn, but coming from Texas Southern, coming to, and I'm not even talking about my guy next to me, it's coming from other assistant coaches who were reached out to. There was so much smoke, like, and there was so much fire. There wasn't even smoke. <laughs> it was just fire at this point. Like, I saw it. And listen, uh, it's just, it's just crazy. But some names that, uh, my, um, some guys over at Dave Campbell's, uh, Texas football talked about, um, apparently Rod Reed got an interview recently, a former Tennessee State head coach, um, which would uh, be interesting. Also, NFL assistant Alvin Reynolds supposedly uh, got an interview, too. And, Coach, this guy has not got an interview. And I know we talked about this a about a week ago. I reached out to some sources. He's expressed interest, but I have not confirmed he interviewed. Damian Craig has told his people that he would like to put his name in the hat. I'll give you one more. Um, and... I can't reveal my sources, but uh, Antonio uh, Cromartie, former yep. NFL, uh, Florida, former Florida State Seminole, uh, has uh, officially, from what I understand, will or is or trying to throw his name in the hat, however you want to phrase it. Um, but I go back to something you said a couple weeks, well, last week, at this point, I don't even know if the officials there want to play football in the 24 season because I don't care if they bring back God is dead, Don Shula. He's not winning ball games next year. If you don't hurry up and give him an opportunity to get in there and A, get a staff, B, get adjusted, and C, C, hit the road recruiting. Um, because I don't know what's left in-house, but it can't be a full team. Uh, there, there's no way there's a full offense, defense there on campus whenever they go back to school here in the next couple of days. So, you know, I don't know if they want to play in the 24 season or if they're going to say, hey, out of this four-year deal, this year doesn't count. You will start your four-year next year. Um, but they're not doing their, their guy or whoever – you know, they bring in there, uh, they're not doing him any justice right now. It's just, I mean, I just can't believe we're sitting here, coach, on January 2nd after all this, and there's a chance Fred McNair is not wearing the Texas Southern emblem on his shirt next year. It just, I mean, coach, I could have took all your money if I would have bet you that about three weeks ago. I would have had your whole paycheck for next season if I would have bet you that because no one, I mean, no one saw this coming. But, Coach, I want to circle back to the FAMU conversation because we talked about some potential candidates. I know you couldn't hear me. The names that have been circulating, Quinn Gray and Billy Roll have been the two most popular names 
surrounding the FAMU job. Your thoughts on that? Big play, Gray. I know. Um, I know he uh, came off of run there where he's at now, where they had an opportunity to uh, to play for the championship of their league. Um, did an excellent job taking over that program. That was a championship program and maintaining it at championship level, uh, which I think is going to be very important for the next person to come in to uh, to Tallahassee. Um, but they are also starting to teeter with that timeline uh, just because of the way things uh, played out, you know, but, you know, you have this second uh, signing day coming up. Uh, and then you know how the process is, man. Like we don't come back to school until after Dr. King holiday. Um, even though you have a, a window in there where you're still visiting, uh, but your classes doesn't start till then. But we all know how administration moves. Uh, we all know how it takes to get those things taken care of. So you've got to have somebody in place, even though the kids aren't there. You've got to have somebody in place by next week in order to have their paperwork done, in order to have guys that can go hit the road legally and uh, recruit uh, for your program, plus maintain what you have in-house. Uh, there were some guys that were due to be there in a couple weeks that have uh, – open their recruitment back up and uh, you know, there's going to be more if you don't hurry this process up and you don't want to feel rushed, but you've got to have a plan A, plan B, plan C, and they've got to be right there on speed dial. Uh, otherwise you are, you know, you're, you're playing with fire. You know, uh, I didn't talk about this. I wanted to wait until you were here. I think I'll be honest, Coach. If it, if if it's up to me, you have to announce a hire by Friday. <laughs> Both programs. <laughs> oh well, Texas. So, listen, Coach Houston Christian lost their coach yesterday. Braxton headed back to Campbell. Houston Christian might make a hire before Texas Southern. So I'm not holding them to that standard. But if you're FAMU and you want to go and compete, defend your title. I got to have a head coach announced by Friday, Monday at the latest. Yes. If you didn't feel like there was somebody on staff that you could go ahead and say, boom, this is my guy. Uh, no interim tag kind of like was done at our place. Uh, if you don't feel like you have that in the building. Yeah. You've got to be conducting interview phone interviews uh, one behind the other. You got to be in there like a, a telemarketer. You got to be going, 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 going. No time to hire a search firm. Uh, no time to pull together this 80-person committee to see whose time can line up to be here. for. The, no, you can't do that. You ain't got time. Now, if you want to have time to do that, that's fine. But understand what that time in the beginning is going to cost you in the end. Yeah, it, it, and that's why, like, I, I saw, listen, I, I saw everyone in the chat, and we talked about that a little bit earlier. Listen, I understand the rumors behind KJ and some of these NFL guys. My thing is, are those guys going to be ready to be in the building on Friday? I mean, there's still another week of the NFL season, and KJ and the Rams are going to the playoffs, and the other name I've heard plays for the Chiefs, they're in the playoffs. So what, at least two more weeks. And if the Rams or Chiefs win, that could be three, four weeks from now before they can really step into the building. Because, Coach, you know this. Even as an analyst or an assistant in the NFL, in the playoffs, you probably don't have time to build a staff. 
and prepare for a playoff game. Nah, you you, <laughs> you unless you got an assistant that's doing all that for you and compiling all this stuff, uh, you're not gonna have that opportunity. They operate on a different clock, um, and you know these games are for real. They're playing for keeps. Uh, you know, the Rams are poised to make a run. We all know what Kansas City does or have been doing these last couple of years. Uh, so, like you said, at minimum, you're looking at three weeks. Three weeks takes us to the end of January. <laughs> um, and, you know, I can, I'm going to just say it, not that I do it, but this recruiting trail with other coaches can be ruthless. And I'm sure there's people in DMs. I'm sure there's people uh, making phone calls to uncles, high school coaches, all that uh, right now as we speak. So you've got to get somebody in there, like you said, quick and as, as you can possibly get them in to put all those fires out. Coach, the last topic I wanted to hit for this show, and then, guys, like I said, we'll be back tomorrow. FCS National Championship Preview. Won't want to miss that one. That was going to be a blast. Cedric Thomas, Coach. You know, it, the crazy part is, Coach, we have not been live since this was announced that Cedric's going to be the head coach at Alcorn. And, Coach, I mean – I don't know if everyone knows you can announce your plans as well, but you know Cedric way better than me, and we're probably going to get him on the show. What is Alcorn getting in Cedric Thomas? And in your opinion, why was he the guy that administration pointed to when Fred McNair walked out the door? Man, I didn't even think about that. You're right. We haven't. This is the first show. So um, I'd like to just make my announcement. Uh, I'm committing Alcorn State, baby. I'm staying at all court. Uh, yeah, so when you when you look at him and and the 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 process of when everything happened, the the administration they saw what what we were doing on the recruiting trail. Uh, signing day was the next day. You know their deal was we got to get somebody in place uh, quick, and they had been through it before with Coach Hobson to Coach McNair uh, passing the baton. So it's kind of like the same thing. So Coach Thomas, you know, has head coaching experience, took over a rough, rough program at UAPB, uh, got it up to being respectable uh, before he left out of there. Um, you know, so what made him the choice was, you know, A, he's a, a, a pre, you know, has previous head coaching experience. B, uh, the kids know who he is. They love him. They understand he's about business. Uh, he's gonna love on you, but you know you got to be doing the right things. Um, see the energy that he brings. Um, I don't know if you saw the video uh, when we beat Alabama State. Uh, you know he was the first one in the locker room waiting on them to get in. You know he's gonna celebrate all the all the good stuff, um, but he's gonna let you know when it's bad. You know he was the first one in the locker room when we beat Jackson. High fiving. Uh, you know, not letting those kids be down in their feelings when the announcement was made that TV won. Like, no, no, no. We just beat our rival. We got this for 365 days. We work for this, and this is what we're going to do. So, you know, we're getting a guy that's going to be a, a leader, a mentor. Uh, he's evolved. He understands what it takes, and he understands every kid that we have in the building. So, there's not another honeymoon phase, so to speak, with the kids and the coaches. Um, you know, we had a couple kids jump early um, in the portal, but for the you know for the most part, 
the, the nucleus that we needed to keep, he was able to keep. You know, when he got the job, he got on the phone with a couple key pieces, uh, Bailey, uh, you know, the quarterback, the, the, the next O-line guy. You know, so he got on the phone with all those people uh, just to make sure that they were comfortable and they understood that, you know, hey, I'm the guy that's coming in. So, you know, that's what we're getting. That's what we're getting. Coach, uh, I already know the answer. I'll let you announce it. But uh, my guy, uh, the watcher wants to know, are you coaching the same position or are you getting a new assignment and the new staff? Oh, man, I am uh, still, still top three uh, receiver coach in this country, man, in this conference. And uh, when we're talking about it, we ain't talking about two or three. Uh, so, no, I'm, I'm staying where I'm at. And, uh, you know, the, the extra title, uh, you know, it's one of those things we'll talk about tomorrow. Uh, but he's definitely ready to come on the show. Uh, you know, he he <laughs> he told me up front that if uh, if he don't get on the show, I don't have a job. So I was like, you get on the show as many times as you want. So he's uh, he's all about it. He's ready to go. Uh, so yeah, still receiver coach, man. Uh, still recruiting South Florida, Central Florida, out in Kansas, ready to rock. Everyone tweeting hashtag led by led by said and and my guy G you already know coach you said I got my guy he's been tweeting that since the hire was announced and yeah you know it, it'd be hey I and I love that the recruits picked up on that yeah that was by high. the way yeah that so before I ask you a, a question about signing day coach because now that everyone's signed we can talk about it because in case you guys don't know the reason me and coach don't talk recruiting on this show together. Until those kids are signed, he can't mention them by name. He can't talk about them. NCAA violation. My guys makes a lot of time to be on the show. We're not trying to get them fired or caught up in the NCAA. <laughs> so that's why we don't talk recruiting. If I talk recruiting, Coach will not be on the show with me because he can't He can't talk about it. But, um, Coach, it, you know, we spotlight all the first-year head coaches. Could you imagine if we didn't have said as the first guest we got a show together, and if I brought any – that's why I haven't had a coach on. I haven't even reached out to other schools. It's going to be Cedric Thomas first. Everyone else can come later. Listen, I know Braxton personally, and I didn't even hit him up yet. I haven't even texted him congratulations just in case. It's got to be said first. But, um, Coach, you guys signed, what, 26 players yep. in the early signing period. Talk to me about the chaos because people don't know this. You guys didn't announce what said till the day before signing day. And there's staff changes. And then recruits, you got to call recruits and be like, hey, man, here's the new head coach. This is what we're doing. You guys got to reach out. Give us a little bit behind the scenes, man. How chaotic was that 72, 48 hours throughout early signing day with everything going on? Um. To be honest, it didn't get really chaotic until Tuesday morning. And then it was like, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. We can't announce this just yet until we have this in place and then we can go from there. Uh, so then it became like a, a telethon. You know, I'm over in this corner on my phone. Uh, Coach Rose on his cell phone. Coach Phillips is on his phone. And we're calling all these guys that we recruited that had something to say. And like, hey, regardless of what's going on, uh, here's the next head coach. So we're passing cell phones in there like we're raising money. And he's taking all these calls from all 26 of those kids. It was probably 30 kids that we were back and forth. A couple jumped out on us. But, you know, it is what it is when you're talking recruiting. Uh, but they all knew him. So 
what what we've done and what we've been able to do in the recruiting process is that when those kids come, they may play receiver, but they spend time with Coach Thomas as well. Uh, they may play D-line, but they spend time with me as well. So they know everybody in the building that has a college shirt on. So all those kids were familiar with Coach Thomas uh, from Friday when they got there to Sunday when they left. Uh, that was one of those things that Coach Mag made a point of, you know, we need to know who these kids are when they get here, and we got to make sure they know that we know who they are and, you know, making it a personal, personable deal, not just a, uh, a number, you know, that kind of thing. Because we all deal with these kids. So it's not like we have 37 analysts, 26 GAs. We have to deal with all of our kids on a day-to-day, so they have to know me. Even though they play defense, they got to deal with Coach Fred at some point. Now, they may not like the dealing that they have with me, but they've got to deal with me. They need to know who I am. So uh, that part was kind of uh, easy, but then the hour before they announced what was going on, now that was chaotic. That, that, was, that was chaotic. I wish we had recorded that. That was something to see. Yeah, but that's where we should have done the mic'd up. Oh, like, we no did doubt. it. We, we should have done the mic'd up in the in the back room. <laughs> Ain't no doubt. Outside twenty twenty, that's exactly what we should have did. Ain't no doubt. Oh, but but man, guys, uh, listen. The recruiting was crazy, man. I'm gonna try to make time to get a early signing day talk. Um, I know me and Scotty were talking about some film breakdowns, but listen, there's a kid that signed with Alcorn. If you think the running back train has stopped now that Jarvion and Nico have graduated, they got them one. And if you watch Mercer in the past few years, you know who I'm talking about. And that's all I'm going to say on that one because they, they got them one with him. Man, uh, it's, it's it's one of those deals, man. Let me blow my own horn. Bap, bap, bap. You know, as a receiver coach, man, your best friend is the running back. Uh, your second best friend, of course, is your quarterback. Uh, Coach, why do you say that? Because if you don't have a running game, nobody's going to be worried about it. They're going to all drop back and play pass. So I try to go find those guys that can tote the rock. And, you know, I've been pretty fortunate. Noah Johnson, even though he's a quarterback, uh, Deshaun Waller, uh, you know, Nico, I've been fortunate to be able to have those guys in my recruiting area. And we've been, able, you know, been fortunate to be able to sign those guys. Um, and this guy that's coming in, man, is, is just like those guys. He fits the mold. Uh, he's one of those guys that they say is next up, and uh, when uh, when it hits, you'll you'll see what we're talking about. Man, coach, I, I I'm excited. So, coach, you know we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, national championship preview, man. Me and you are headed to Frisco later this week, man. Listen, um, I'll, I'll be dropping links on social media on the community page on YouTube. Me and coach gonna, man. We coach like, how does it feel, man? I had to text you. We got a podcast appearance. Man, on I, Saturday I, night, like a I, live podcast appearance, like because you get to go up there. Listen, I'm telling you, you're gonna be shocked. Listen, they're gonna have. They, they said they got us a table in the front row for all the guests. We'll be VIP up front, and we'll, we already got our time slot. Everything. I'm stoked uh, about this whole little deal, man. Uh, we're going out, and uh, again, I keep saying it. The only active coach in media. I can't wait for this thing, man. I really can't. Man, guys, hit the like button, subscribe, man. Catch the replay on YouTube, all podcast streaming platforms, man. We just had to come back with the storylines episode. We've been gone for too long. Me and Coach, after this weekend, we'll shift into off-season mode, and and we'll, we'll kind of get the format laid in terms of storylines and content and stuff like that. So, 
just hang with us there. Also, tomorrow, before our live stream in the morning, I'm dropping the full 10-minute mic'd up um, video from uh, Coach Fred at the HBCU Pigskin Showdown and also interviews with Aaron Allen um, and, and Carlos Hill from Sacramento State. Coach, real quick before we go, experience down in Mobile. Man, great experience. Uh, great, great uh, atmosphere. They they did it. Uh, they did it really good. Um, you know, when you were there, you can attest to it. Uh, there were several uh, scouts from the NFL and CFL uh, that these kids got to practice in front of every day. Um, and then just being able to talk with those guys. I also handle the NFL guys that come to our school. So a few of those guys I knew uh, from, you know, their time coming through Alcorn. So to see those guys show up and to have a vested, real vested interest um, in those uh, in those kids at that bowl game, man, was really, really good, man. Uh, what did he say? He said, not Coach Fred in the bubble Chevy. <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, I had to do it. So uh, I, I I just had dinner with uh, well that's a whole other story. But so um, the experience, man, and to see those kids be able to to have one on one interviews with the NFL uh, scouts, the CFL scouts after night practices, um, it kind of gave those kids motivation. You know, first night they call so and so and so and so to come to the interview room. Well. Next morning, I know I got to go hard because this is real life. They, they're actually looking and taking notes and calling people in. So the experience was uh, was great, man. Uh, the team that I had a pleasure of coaching on won. Uh, Aaron Allen won the uh, the overall game MVP. Uh, my little guy from uh, Alabama A&M yep. won the offensive MVP. Uh, another receiver, talk it up. I keep telling I'm like Muhammad Ali. I keep telling you I'm the greatest. But uh, – no, we had fun. Had fun. Ate really well. Uh, Mobile is not as dangerous as you said it, Scotty. Or at least where they I, had us at. Anyway. I, you know, the funny part is the stadium Scotty went to was Lad, like where they held the practice. Like that's the stadium they hold the game at. I don't know. Uh, maybe it was just because we were there, Scotty, but it was uh, a real heavy, heavy police presence. Um, so <laughs> Scott, Scotty wants to know, who, who do you think stood out the most over practices and games this weekend? I know my pick, but I'll let you throw yours. Over practices and games, um, you know, there was a, uh, you know, of course I'm going to say Aaron Allen, uh, you know, he really, he threw, he threw the ball really well. He really did. Um, but there was a couple kids from Bowie State that I was really impressed with. Um, B&D too, whatever, those kids didn't back down. Uh, they came there with a chip on their shoulder. Um, there was a kid, which I still don't have a understanding of how he got there, the D tackle from Sam Houston state, but, uh, he was impressive all week. Uh, you know, and I think the best thing about the week was listening to those kids at miles, tell those kids at Alabama state, how easy it was to beat them and they should have beat them worse. Uh, that was probably the highlight of the weekend. Um, but just to see those kids compete and carry on, man, was a good deal. But Aaron Allen, the kids from uh, Bowie State, and uh, that deep tackle from uh, Sam Houston, man, he uh, he had an impressive week. The kid from Sam Houston, I got to watch a, a little bit of one-on-ones. Bro, his, his ability to 
that keep the offense on. Like he's like his arms were so like he did such a good job keeping offense on his hands off of him and generating. I would I, I like to call it like negative space in the backfield. Did a great job of creating negative plays. I mean, there were a few times he had the center, what five yards in the backfield, in that scrimmage, off, yeah. off the ball. And I will say, listen, when I post the interview tomorrow, I don't need y'all in the comments. I didn't pick the rosters, okay? So don't yell at me. But my guy Carlos Hill from Sac State was out there balling at the end of practice. Listen, I he scored a. He, there were some touchdowns where I was just like, bro, the DB had no shot. Yeah. I don't know how he got there either. Um, <laughs> from Sacramento State, uh, West Coast. But yeah, he he had a, he had an impressive week. Uh, just unfortunate that he twisted uh, twisted his ankle there early in the uh, in the game. But uh, yeah, he was there. He said there was only like fifty people at y'all's game. He he said he got to go when he went. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, bro. Bro, Scotty is Scotty's wild, man. That, that's my dude, though. That's my dude. I uh, he cracks me up, man. Scotty better be at the Legacy Bowl, man. I, that's all I'll say, man. We got to get back to New Orleans, man. It was a blast last year, and a coach is gonna be there with you this year. So we we'll, we'll go yeah. get that, get down to the Legacy Bowl and, and get all the covers there. But man, yeah, like I think the the kid from Sam Houston, the kid from Sac State, at wide receiver Carlos Hill, um, c- coach, I I don't remember his name. It was the tall wide receiver from UAPB. Uh, number 18. I can't remember his name, yeah. but uh, yeah, they dug a little bit at tight end and out wide. Yeah, I, I like him with his versatility. And also, um, man, he's just he's he's just a mass a matchup problem for smaller coins. Like I did y'all, y'all will see it in the mic. Yeah, you'll see it in the mic'd up clips. Coach was talking to them. He was like, bro, he was like, You're bigger than them. They don't want to see you out there. Just go get it. Just go get the ball. And he was a problem. And, and apparently he's getting some looks because of his size. So I'm not surprised. I mean, the kid just looked different out there out there. And I, I think Aaron, Aaron looked like the best quarterback there. And that's no offense to any other quarterbacks there, but Aaron looked like the most complete quarterback. And if you're at the Legacy Bowl, can we get a can we get Aaron an invite? Yeah, Please, Legacy like, Bowl. You're here. You're yeah, like let, let's get Aaron and Jarvion back together at the Legacy Bowls. Like that should that should be the promotion. But guys, go ahead. With Ontario. Oh, that's Ontario. true. Yes. My guy got invited. Let's go. Shout out to Montario. That should have been a thing already. That yeah, really should have. Number two receiver in the league. Uh, missed number one by a couple yards from the, the guy that was at Alabama State, uh, that was at Vanderbilt, that I'm trying to get to Alcorn. Uh, I'm not saying his name, but you know who I'm talking about. Uh, so, yeah, I was I was getting a little worried, but then he ended up getting the invite, and he called me, and uh, that was that was big time. That was big time. Yeah, but listen, guys, I'm telling you, and this is more for media too than just fans. If you're a fan, be there on Saturday on for the Legacy Bowl down in New Orleans. If you're media and not at the Legacy Bowl, you're missing out because the complaint I hear from uh, media all the time is you don't have enough access. Scotty's in the chat, and Scotty can vouch for me on that because I've been there for two years. Scotty was there last year. There's not an all-star game that you get more access to the players, coaches, and the people in the game than the Legacy Bowl. They do it right. They understand media has to play a role, and you get 
access to practices, players, the field, and they make all the accommodations that you ask for, man. I mean, heck, me and Scotty had a like Scotty had a whole booth up in the top calling the game live. I mean, listen, the people who run it are amazing. If you're media, get down there and cover it, man, because these kids or these guys deserve as much coverage as the Senior Bowl gets, the Shrine Bowl gets, and all these other things. And me and Coach will be at some different All-Star games. I know I'm going to try to split both games because uh, I hate this, Coach. I know scouts have to hate it. The Legacy, not the Legacy Bowl, the Senior Bowl and the Shrine Bowl are on the same week. Yeah, it makes it tough. So I'm going to try to get to Dallas on Wednesday for the Shrine Bowl. And then I live in Mobile. So, I mean, I, I'll drive 10 minutes to the Senior Bowl and then cover that one on like Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So I'm looking to try to make it to both. Um, no promises. I It's tough because the Senior Bowl is cheaper to go to because it's in my hometown, but only two yeah. FCS guys. And I think South Dakota State's whole freaking roster is going to the Shrine Bowl right now. So I, I might have to make it out to that one. And that's what the uh, CFL scout was saying. Uh, they're not as as deep as the NFL, uh, so they were trying to decide how they were going to hit both of those as well. Um, and then apparently there's a bowl game in Miami. Yes. Um, the, oh my! Is it Orlando? Is is it the Hula Bowl? Uh, no, another HBCU one is in Miami this week. Oh, um, I didn't know that. I'm a neither. I'm a little upset I didn't get invited to that. It's in Miami. Uh, and then mm. the hula as well. Uh, so the CFL guys are trying to figure it out about like you are right now. How am I going to hit both? Uh, we got to do it this way, this way, this way. Uh, so, you know, that and then they were really getting excited about the uh, the pro days coming up um, with the uh, rather we're doing that in Jackson again or whatever. Uh, you know, they were talking about that and how that was a big deal. Uh, for them to be able to get to one spot to see, you know, everybody, so to speak, in that central area, uh, us, Valley, school up the street, um, everybody that's kind of in that area. So hopefully we get to get that again. And, you know, we were there last year uh, together. Of course, we're going to do that again as well. So, yeah, looking forward to it, man. I'm laughing at Scotty, man. Mobile wasn't that bad, Scotty. No. Yeah, he said it was absolutely amazing. A one Le legacy bowl does it right, and I agree. Listen, that's the first I've heard of an HBCU bowl. It's sad. I mean, zero coverage for that, and I mean that's that's tough. I, I feel bad for those guys um, down there, but hopefully they're balling out and getting their NFL coverage. But listen, guys, I already say on this show, there's no off season here. Me and Coach are going to keep this thing rolling. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. FCS National Championship uh, preview live stream. Uh, we're aiming for 430. We'll let y'all know. I'll post in the community page if there's any changes. SI.com backslash college backslash FCS is our FCS content is rolling. Timothy's been a madman with the pen, man. Has a bunch of great stories out there for the FCS National Championship. And if you see myself, Coach, Timothy and Dallas say what's up. I'll be there Thursday. Coach coming in Friday. My guy Timothy flying in Saturday afternoon. I'll have a featured interview on incidentable.com with my guy Stan Beckton dropping on Saturday. Um, I think we're doing a live stream from the stadium. I'll keep y'all updated on that. But for Coach Fred, for myself, for the Blue Bloods FCS Football Central Man, we are out for right now. <laughs>